Thank you for joining us again for this podcast. This message is from August of 2005 of a series of coming. And this one is titled Coming to the Rescue. We hope this message will bless you and you enjoy. We thank you for your continuing support of Zion Baptist Church. And we continue to pray that our message help improve and change and encourage your lives. So we will now join this message preached by Pastor Samuel Thomas Duran. God bless you. Thank you. Second Corinthians, fifth chapter. If you can join with me to the 15th, uh, to the 19th verse. It says, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet know henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'm going to preach on the topic, if you will, coming to the rescue. We dealt with how we should come, how we come thirsty, come hungry, uh, come to be filled. But now we're going to talk about how God sent Jesus to come for our rescue. Think about how when you go to the swimming pool or you may go to the beach and you go there and they have signs oftentimes when you go to hotels that says that there's no lifeguard on duty. Say, please, children, not here without any supervision. Or when you go to the pool, they have a big white board on that chain link fence with a whole lot of rules and guidelines of what the children should and should not do here at the pool. And then on top of that, at the pool, they have lifeguards sitting on a stoop on high so they can oversee everybody within the pool area to ensure nobody comes into danger. They have written rules talking about how do not jump in the shallow end. Talk about do not run around the pool. They, they tell you that, that you should not j- dive and you know, p- people will stop you from doing front flips or back flips on the diving board. Have you doing all these things. You don't splash while you're in the pool. They have all kinds of rules. But then when you don't obey the rules, they have the lifeguard right there to stop you. Or if you're not able to swim, they have the lifeguard able to to jump in there to rescue you. We in our lives are those children at that swimming pool who know the rules, but we choose to disobey the rules. We know we want to run around the pool to get to the other side quicker. 
We know that it's a chance you may slip and fall, so they tell us not to run so we won't hurt ourselves. We know that they say no jumping in the shallow end, but we keep on jumping in, trying to cannonball, splash everybody, then they make you sit on the edge of the pool. We know that there shouldn't be any splashing while you're in the pool, but we're dunking people and slamming them anyway. You know, we're doing these things because we're having fun while we're in the pool. God is our lifeguard. And the world is our pool. We come into the world with the guidelines and the rules, and we decide, I'm going to have fun. The guy says, don't run, but we say, I'm going to run anyway because it's quicker. I have fun when I run. He says, don't jump in the shallow. He says, I want to get it now. I'm jumping in. We go ahead and act how we want to act. And God is sitting there on high, watching us, instructing us for our benefit. God saw our need and did not hesitate to send us help. Because there's a danger here in this world. What's the danger? Sin. We have signs written all around in the pool with instructions. We have the word of God with instructions for our lives. Telling us how we should live, how we should maintain a, a good relationships in, 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 in our social life, or our marital life, even a work life. It, it talks about how we should be humble, how we should be able to serve our master. You know, we, we see that oftentimes that when we go to our jobs and we're trying to please everybody because we want everybody to like us. But sometimes you don't have to have everybody like us in order to do a good job. Being humble oftentimes means you're going to let people talk about you, but you're going to be about your business. But see, the danger is that we are concerned about how I look right now. If you're going to make me look bad, I'm not going to let that happen right now. I'm going to put you in your place. But the thing of this is that when you act a fool, everybody sees you acting a fool, but you think you're looking cool. Because you're being that same person that you don't like, you're acting just like them. The lifeguard told that kid, don't run in the pool. You heard the lifeguard tell the kid, don't run in the pool. So you decide, say, well, I want to run, so you go ahead and run. Who gets caught? You. Now you're upset sitting down. That same kid that was running around playing in the pool while you're sitting out, and you can't play right now. We see, we get caught about everybody else, but we stop thinking about ourselves. We have instruction and guidelines for living. The water is the danger. The world is the danger. Jesus prefaces the disciples said, you are in this world, but do not be of this world. And standpoint, it means this, that you can be who you are and go into a building, but not be a part of that building. For example, you can go, say, to the restaurant over at the East Pierre Casino Bowl, but you're walking out, people thinking that you were gambling. You went in there to eat. You know what you did, but people are going to talk about you anyway. You see, we need to realize that no matter what you do, no matter how you dress it up, everybody already has their opinion about you. But yet, you can't allow their opinions to form you. You need to form your own opinion of yourself. You need to make up the mind for yourself. Because this world is full of danger of everybody trying to please everybody. And if you don't believe me, just go back to the beginning of time when God created the world. He had a man he created named Adam and he created his wife Eve. 
Adam was given instructions of what to do while he was in the world. He told him, and so Adam obeyed him. But then came woman. Adam, Adam told woman, woman they knew, and so they go to the tree and they eat of the fruit. And Adam, when he gets confronted with what saying, what does he do? It wasn't me. Pass the buck. The woman, wasn't me. Passes the buck. We get caught up and say, ah, I'm not going to take responsibility for my wrong actions. Who can I blame it on? When we're in this world, in this danger, we look at the signs and we see how it's for our benefit, but yet instead we want to enjoy how we want to do it, and when it goes wrong, we want to blame somebody else. So you know how teachers have it, that they know that one child they can talk to to find out who got in trouble, because that child don't want to get in trouble, so they will tell on everybody. Yes, yes, we, we, we all know that child, because we would beat him up and get him at recess. I know I would. Because I was the one that got in trouble. <laughs> you know, we realize that if, I can, if I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to bring somebody else down with me. And that's what sin is. Sin, sin is the standpoint of this, that I want to enjoy it, and I want you to enjoy it with me. I don't care if it's good or bad. I want it. There's danger all around us. And that's why the lifeguards are looking out on our behalf. They tell us because sometimes the lifeguard sees what we don't see. The lifeguard tells you that, okay, you have to get out the pool because we have to sanitize the pool. We got to clean the pool. You don't know what happened. They know. You don't need to know. They're just trying to do it for your benefit. God knows what's ahead of, above you, told you not to go, but you, you want to know, so you go ahead and get burned. And then you're going to wonder why. We have to obey the rules and be aware of the danger that's around us. Because the danger is the propensity of getting hurt or having harm upon yourself. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We jump in the pool and we don't know how to swim. What's going to happen? You're going to drown. Unless what? Somebody rescues you. But what if everybody that's around you, they too can't swim? What is going to happen? If they all jump in, they all going down. But you're not going down by yourself this time. You see, we get caught up in the world and when we're drowning, we want everybody to come in and join in with us. And we want them all to sink down with us. But yet, see, God, for so, Jesus says it so eloquently, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God saw that there was a danger, and he sent his son to rescue us. So there is a danger, and then the danger is so overwhelming that we find out we can't help ourselves. We need the lifeguards to save us while we're drowning because we're out of control. Think about when they're in the water, the person's not controlling drowning like they're showed in the cartoons. You know, they go up one, and they go up two, and they're three, they go four, they're like, oh, cool, okay, I'm drowning. No, you, you're wailing, you're showing your arms, the water is splashing all around you. You're in a, in a state of despair. You want somebody to save you right now. But yet sometimes we don't know we're about to go into trouble. We see those children. They ask them, do you know how to dive? And have you, have you jumped into the deep end before? And they go, yes, 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 yes. They go up on that diving board, waving at all their friends. 
They jump in, hear the fog, they jump in the water to save them out. Because we get caught up that we're so full of ourselves that we know what's best in our lives that we say, God, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. This is what's best in my life. I'm going ahead and jump in. I said, go ahead, and then you drown. Then you say, oh, Lord, save me. Because we, 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 we okay when everything is okay. That's happy. I'm happy what's happening right now. I have a job. Great. I'm happy. Don't have a job? Not happy. We see, we base everything on our everyday situation. But yet God is showing us that, look here, just trust in me. I'll provide a way. You're out of a job? I can help you get a job. You know, your, your marriage is in trouble, come to me, I can fix that trouble. God is in the rescuing business. God is, because he will come into the midst of your situation and change it for your benefit. Because he knows we can't help ourselves. Look at the text here. Verse 15 says, and that he died for all. That they which live shall not henceforth live unto themselves anymore, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It says that they should not live for themselves. And the standpoint of this that God jumped in in the pool, risked all that he had to save you, and pulls you out. So now that you can better live for him, but instead we sometimes jump right back into that pool. Why did you save me? Matter of fact, I was, I was watching a movie last night. You know, The Incredibles, and it's brought in my situation in, in The Incredibles. Y'all laughing, huh? The Incredibles. This guy's jumping off the building to commit suicide. And, the, and Mr. Incredible jumps across the building and saves this guy's life. But this guy goes and sues Mr. Incredible because he wanted to die. He like, I got pain in my neck and my back, but you know, this guy's suing him now, but he really wanted to die. You know, we get caught up that we want to die. We want to go where we're going, but when somebody helps us out, we're going to get mad at them helping us out. So when God comes in and changes our lives and we're seeing how good it, it can be, we would say, you know what? I was happy being in pain and misery. Let me go back to that. As it goes at how you know garbage, you let your garbage sit for a while, the stench kind of goes away. But you know when it goes time to take it out, you got to get that back. Woo! You smell it. You try to tie it up real quick. Same thing, that sin that's in your life. While it's sitting there, it's okay with you. It don't stink. It smells just great. But as soon as somebody comes, start stirring it up, let you know the mess that you're in, it starts to stink, and then you want them to go away. Uh-uh, don't be talking about me. Look at your life. No, look at your life. We need to stop looking at everybody else and say, Lord, let me look at myself. Let me examine myself today and see what I should be doing. Because, Lord, I need some help too. We get caught up telling everybody else all the help that they need, but yet we don't say, God, I too need help. I, I, I've learned a, a long time in my life that I had to stop being so selfish. Because I found out I wasn't going to have it my way. I had three other brothers and sisters who were bigger than me, and mom and dad listened to them first before they ever listened to me. And so if I wanted something and I wasn't going to get it, I found out that I wasn't going to get it. No matter how I cried, how I boo-hooed, I kicked and stomped, I still went to my room empty-handed. 
And so it came to me that if I can, if it's going to be mine, it's going to be mine no matter what. What God has for you, no matter what you say or do, God's going to give it to you if it is for you. It's not what you do. Say, I got it because of what I did. Because what God has already done for you is why you got it. That's humility. Humility is the standpoint that I realize I need help and God, I'm asking for help. Lord, I've read the sign. It says, do not run. God, why shouldn't I run? We, we can ask these kind of questions. Lord, uh, your, your Bible says I, I, I shouldn't do this, and so why shouldn't I do this? Lord, show me. Open up your Bible. It'll answer that question for you. We, 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 we live in a world where the TV will, 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 will give all this propaganda and will push what is great. You know, I went to the Chiefs game with my brother last evening, and, and, and you know, during the batters getting into the box, they were playing hip-hop music. And, you know, back in the day, hip-hop music, say 20 years ago, hip-hop music, you wouldn't hear that at an average day function. They wouldn't play that kind of music because they say, oh, this stuff is not going to last. But we live now in a society where hip-hop music is what is used to help promote all kinds of products. You know, you see Pepsi and Coca-Cola, they are using as much hip-hop influence as possible to sell this product. Why? Because the hip-hop industry is selling more records and more albums and more merchandise than anything else. Hip-hop is influencing society, and, and therefore hip-hop has, hip-hop's themes are this. Sex, money, and drugs. That's his theme, and their songs are dealing with that. You can he- see it in the title, tell it, drop it like it's hot. Drop what like it's hot? You figure that out. You know, it has all these kind of titles for you to think it about. You know, they have these songs, and, you know, talking about songs shaking your tail feather. You figure that. They're not talking about Colonel Sanders. It's talking about all kinds of stuff. And yet, we allow this stuff to just come into our mind and get in our subconscious. So when you go out shopping, you go out looking, you're looking for some bling bling. Oh, I want somebody to notice this on me. Oh, I want my car to sit high on some 20s so I can be rolling on doves. You know, we want these kind of things because this world, this pool is drawing us in. We, you know, a kid comes to the pool, they get excited, leave mom and dad alone. Oh, I'm at the pool, I'll see you later. They're gone. We get excited when we see the stuff in the world. We want to leave everything behind and just jump in. And then when we need help, we're looking for everybody around us. Because we can't help ourselves. But help is on the way. 16. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. It's talking about Jesus here. Ye they know we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, now we know him no more. You see, this is right here now a revelation that we realize that, yes, Jesus is a man, but what we found out, that he is more than a man. It's the same standpoint that as I was growing up, uh, my mom and my dad was just a woman and a man in my household. I didn't understand what mommy and daddy were. I just realized if I wanted something, I'd go to them to get it. Then as I grew up, I'm like, wow, mom and dad were awesome. You know, I went to college, like, man, they were awesome. They, they made sure I had food to eat. They looked out for me. They took me to sports and did all these things for me. 
Then I realized that there were more than just a man and a woman. They, I realized what father and mother meet. Therefore, Paul realized that this was not just a man named Jesus. This was Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, because this is the man that has changed my life. You see, we got to make it a personal relationship with Christ. Christ is not based on me coming to church and leaving. Christ is based on me coming to church each and every day. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Church is every day is me when I'm going to work, when I'm going home, Whatever I'm doing, I'm doing because church is the body of believers, not the building. I'll move on maybe before I get somebody mad. Now, look at verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a... I thought y'all like to say that. All things are... Behold, all things are... What's that saying is this, that yes, you were that same ignorant little kid that jumped in the pool that was not supposed to. But when the lifeguard jumped in and took you out, you're no longer that ignorant kid. You see, you became somebody new. Because you see, when we came into the world, we came into the world dumb and stupid, full of sin. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, when you came into the world, God knew you weren't going to make it. So he sent his son to save your life. But are you ready for that help to come in your life? Sometimes people aren't ready for it to come. You're like, no, nah, I'm okay drowning. No, I, I don't want it to go. No, I'm still going to run around the pool. No, I, I'm still going to splash that kid because I want to do what I want to do. And if I mess up your life, that's your fault because I'm happy. You see, we get happy with that garbage because it doesn't stink. But let's get this in. When someone comes around messing with your trash and showing you how it stinks, then you want to change. Coming for the rescue. Look at this. Don't miss this part right here. Verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He hath given up to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ. God was in who? That God was in who? That God was in who? Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of what? That's a big word you can put in your vocabulary. He did not count us accountable for our sins. That is when you went to the court and you knew you were guilty. The judge knew you were guilty, and they came up and asked you what your plea was, and you said you were guilty. The judge says, correction, not guilty. Boom, get on out. Because Jesus came, bled, and died so that you were not held accountable for your, your trespasses. It's not counted, imputed against you that Christ was through reconciliation. What's that mean is this, that at one time you were away from him, but he brought you back home. You was at terms of disagreement, but he reconciled that relationship. You had your back towards him and you turned back and God was still right there. Reconciliation means that he changed your life. He came to rescue you. But yet, you just have to say, Lord, Oh, save me now. And guess what? He will save you right now. 
but are you ready to be reconciled? Are you ready to have your life change for the better? Are you ready to change your life so that you will be now living for him? As you've seen, it said that he has died for you, so now that you should what? Live for him. Uh, what is it saying here is this, that I, I, I've already risked all that I had to save your life. <laughs> if your life is really that important, you realize how much I love you. I risked my only begotten son to save your life. Now it's your decision <laughs> to choose. Will you let me grab you and pick you up? Or are you going to say, no, Lord, let me drown? That's your decision to make. Nobody to your left or to your right can make it. He's already come to the rescue. He's waiting right there for you in your life. Whatever the danger is in your life, you know what it is. You know what's not right in your life. God knows it too. And he wants to help you get out of it. It's your decision to make. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Right now, I want you to think. Do you want your relationship right with God? You've seen how you have been living your life for yourself. But now you want to see how it'll be better by living it for Christ. Right now, if you believe that you have sinned and you believe that you have gone against the will of God, but you want to ask for forgiveness and you want Christ to come into your heart and be your personal Lord and Savior and experience a whole new world of life in Christ, right now I want you to think, if you're to die today, you're not sure that you will spend eternity in heaven. If you're not sure that God will let you in the kingdom of heaven, I want you to know this, that this is what it is. Jesus says that if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Right now, every head bowed, every eyes closed. No one's looking but me. If you are unsure about Christ being in your heart, raise your hand if that's you. Nobody's looking but me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed if that's you. If you're not sure, if you're not sure, amen. This prayer is for you saying, just repeat after me. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, dear Lord Jesus, I believe by faith that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again on the third day. I'm asking you and I'm inviting you to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Right now, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you, you pray that prayer. If that's you, for the first time you pray that prayer, raise your hand, God bless you. Raise your hand, God bless you, God bless you. I mean, right now, you may be looking for a church home. This prayer is for you. If you're looking for a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church, and this church is for you, we're going to pray for you right now. As, as you can pray with me, just saying, Dear Lord, right now, I pray that you t touch me, that I will come and join the church of fellowship that you have called me to be of. And if Zion Baptist Church is that church, Lord, I will walk this aisle and, and join this church so that I will have a better place of home to grow, to learn of your word, of what thus says the Lord.
through great biblical teaching and preaching that comes from on high, Lord, from you. If that's you that pray that prayer, that's you that pray that prayer, raise your hand, raise your hand. God bless you. Nobody's looking but me. Everybody, every eyes closed. Amen. Now there's our prayer right here. Dear Lord, right now we pray, Lord, that we will better have a mind to live our lives for you, that we no longer living for it for ourselves, but we live for the one who lived and died for us, Lord, that we are no longer living in sin, but we're living in the light, living in righteousness, because, Lord, we want to live how you called us to live. We want to be your servants, to be your children, your heir to the kingdom of, throne, of heaven. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray that us all say amen. Amen, amen. amen. May we all stand as we open up the doors of the church.